Today, we have with us Anand Rajaraman, founding partner at Rocketship PC and Milliwave Ventures. Anand, welcome to the show. Hey, Shamana. Can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you. How are you? Hey, good morning. Good morning. So, Anand, let's start by introducing our audience to you as well as to your uh, two venture firms. First, let's start with you, and, uh, and you have a pretty interesting entrepreneurial journey, so give a little bit of context of what path did you come through to reach this point, and let's get, to, let's get you introduced to the audience. Got it. Yeah, so let me give you a brief background on myself. Um, I, um, I'm from India. Uh, uh, grew up in, uh, in Chennai in India. Went to uh, the Institute of Technology Madras for my undergrad. Um, and then came to Stanford uh, to do my uh, PhD in computer science. This was back in the 90s. Uh, when I happened to come to Stanford just as the internet was getting started uh, in 1993. Um, and, um, uh, you know, got excited, got bit by the entrepreneurial bug, uh, dropped out of the PhD program with a few students and started my first company, a uh, company called uh, Jungli. Uh, we were, um, you know, it was, uh, we, we were among the earliest uh, companies in the, uh, in the online e-commerce space. We uh, pretty much invented uh, the, the idea of online comparison shopping. Um, the company uh, ended up being acquired by Amazon uh, in 98. It was uh, Amazon's uh, first public acquisition, uh, you know, first acquisition as a public company. Um, and uh, uh, it was about a $250 million acquisition. Uh, ended up joining uh, Amazon uh, in the very early days, just selling books. Uh, but Jeff Bezos, even at the time, knew he wanted to sell everything under the sun, uh, so uh, helped uh, uh, Amazon create the marketplace, uh, which uh, which we created and helped launch. Uh, I left Amazon um, together with my uh, one of my co-founders from uh, uh, Jungli, Venki uh, Harinarayan. We got together uh, post uh, post Amazon and started a venture capital firm called uh, Kimbrian Ventures. Um, and Kimbrian Ventures was one of the earliest. Uh, this started in 2000. Uh, was one of the earliest um, seed capital uh, firms. Uh, institutional seed capital firms. We were primarily backed companies with deep technology, um, uh, you know, at, at the early stages. Uh, ended up making a bunch of investments. Uh, that, that fund came in, ended up being one of the top performing funds of its vintage, top five percent for its uh, vintage, uh, and many uh, many interesting companies uh, developing exciting technology. Um, and uh, post, uh, you know, post Cambrian. Uh, I started uh, another startup together with Benki called uh, Cosmex. It was one of the earliest uh, uh, startups in the artificial intelligence space. Uh, this was around 2007, uh, before deep learning uh, became a big thing. But you know, artificial intelligence was you know, and machine learning were, were already out, um, and we wanted to, do, to commercialize those. So we applied uh, AI and ML to uh, the web, to social media. When it emerged, we were among the first to do sentiment analysis of social media. And so on. Uh, we were uh, Cosmics was acquired by uh, by Walmart in uh, 2011 with a 300 million dollar acquisition. Um, and uh, we uh, I helped create for you know Walmart uh, at the time wanted to figure out how to compete with Amazon, how to get into the e-commerce game. Um, and uh, what Minky and I realized is that uh, to do that you need to build a big team in Silicon Valley to build the, the digital capabilities to, to, to launch e-commerce. So we created a new unit 
within Walmart called Walmart Labs. Uh, set it up here in uh, in Silicon Valley. Uh, headed headed it up for a year and branded that uh, as a you know as, as a cool place to work uh, and so on. And uh, the the um, Walmart Labs team is now over 7,500 people uh, globally. Uh, I didn't you know I left many years ago, uh, but they've still continued to, uh, to 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 grow that and it's been helping Walmart in its in its e-commerce efforts. So after leaving Walmart, uh, I took some time off and then. Um, Started my current venture capital firm, Rocketship.vc, uh, together with uh, together with Binky and another partner, Silesh. Um, and uh, in, at Rocketship, we're doing uh, global investing uh, using using data and algorithm. Millivase Ventures, the other other firm that you mentioned there, uh, that's more of a family office uh, that uh, that Binky and I have, where we uh, you know make uh, make investments in companies that don't you know that are not necessarily uh, for financial reasons. All right. What is the uh, fund size of Rocketship VC? Rocketship VC, we are on Fund 2. Uh, fund 2 uh, is a $120 million fund. Uh, you know, Fund 1 was a $40 million fund that's fully deployed. Uh, we, we, started, we started investing Fund 1 around 20, late 2015. Uh, we have about 30-odd uh, companies in the portfolio. Um, and uh, fund two, we've just finished. Uh, we've just raised, and we've just started to starting to deploy uh, fund two. And what is the stage focus? So uh, the stage focus for us um, is uh, this. So we're not focused so much on uh, the stage as from a from a funding point of view, uh, like like a Series A or a Series B. Uh, but we are much more focused on where the company is in its evolution. Uh, for us, the sweet spot to invest uh, is when a company has found product market fit, um, but before it has achieved massive scale. So that, those are the kinds of companies that uh, that we want to invest in. We want to uh, be the uh, one of the earliest companies, to, earliest fund to invest in companies uh, that have product market fit, but before they reach massive scale and help them uh, reach that scale. Um, so typically, this corresponds to. You know, depending on the region of the world, this might correspond to a Series A in some cases, a pre-Series A round in some cases, or even a Series B round in some cases. So it depends on the region of the world. Let's dig down a bit on how you define product market fit and how you how you quantify product market fit. So, so uh, what uh, you know, it would help to understand how we find these companies in the first place. So. You know, in a typical uh, typical VC firm uh, in in Silicon Valley, and uh, many of us are familiar with, with how they operate, uh, we, uh, and I've done one myself. We build a big uh, network, um, and that network refers uh, refers interesting companies to us because you know they meet the entrepreneurs and they tell us here is a great company you should talk to, uh, and then we talk to the companies and invest in in, in a small fraction. That's how uh, venture capital has always worked. It's a network driven industry. We're doing a rocket ship is somewhat different. Uh, we are uh, we built a huge database uh, of uh, startup activity all over the world, um, and uh, this uh, database has you know a, couple, a few million companies uh, in pretty much every geography in the world, um, and we uh, collect a lot of data about each company. Uh, you know, with, with a team, with investors, with. Uh, uh, traction in terms of uh, visits, social media presence, um, uh, articles, blog posts, all kinds of things. Um, and then we run machine learning models of this data. 
Uh, and what these machine learning models uh, show us uh, is companies that uh, seem to have a product uh, product market fit. And by by product market fit, usually what we uh, you know uh, you know what we mean is that the that there is a uh, the product the company has developed and the market is uh, seems to be receptive to it. Um, and uh, there is uh, some early indications that the customers are adopting the product. Um, and you know, and it's sort of it's, it's very it's different for a consumer company versus a a, uh, a B2B SaaS company, for example, right? Uh, for a consumer company, we may not uh, care about monetization. For a B2B SaaS company, we may care about uh, CAC LTV. So, uh, so sort of it's very hard to sort of precisely define is, but you know it when you see it. Um, uh, and uh, it's there is a, you know you know uh, it when you see it, but how would your algorithm see it? Like for example, you know our we have companies in our portfolio that have one customer, two customers, five customers, and they're like in the early product market fit kind of phase, right? And nothing is available about these customers and these companies in public. So how would your algorithm find these companies? Sure, uh, you know the uh, our algorithms use a, uh, a variety of uh, of, of things, uh, and, and it's a, including um, things like social media presence and what people are saying, and um, including uh, uh, you know employees and uh, you know other investors and things like this um, to uh, to build proxy models for various things. And you know, in, when there are actual customers and there is some some actual activity, we we track that as well. Um, and uh, it's um, I, and we don't claim to be hundred percent accurate, right? Uh, you know, that's not the point. I don't think we catch every company uh, that has product market fit, and nor do all the companies we catch have product market fit. Uh, so at some level, we have a filter that uh, that surfaces a lot of interesting companies, and we talk to them and uh, invest in some of them. The, the, the nice thing about this filter that we use uh, is that it transcends our network, uh, right? So at some level, we are not limited to companies that are referred to us by a network. Uh, if we don't have particularly a good network in Brazil, but we have uh, investments in Brazil, uh, we have uh, investments in Europe, uh, we have investments in Asia and in, in North America, right? So, uh, so the the key thing about um, the the data and the algorithms is not that we we don't think they're exhaustive. No, no, no algorithm can be exhaustive, uh, but uh, but it transcends our network. What um, is the preferred check size for your funds? We uh, write about uh, two to three million dollar checks uh, from from fund two. Uh, which means that we could, uh, you know, uh, in, if, if it's uh, if it is an A, we'd usually be a co-lead or, or uh, you know, be, be the, the second largest investor in, in the U.S. But in, in foreign geographies, we might even be the lead. Um, in, uh, in a, you know, in a pre-A round, we might be able to lead it. Uh, in a B round, we almost always be a participant. Okay. Now. Um... You do. You said you do both B two B and B two C. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Okay, and and you are doing globally, so you have no constraints on geography. We have no constraints on geography. In Fund One, we did no investments in China. China is a geography where we have very little experience, uh, so we stayed away from China because that's a beast in itself that we don't understand, um, and yeah. which we are, uh, you know, uh, that requires very specific skills that we don't have. Um, uh, which we will learn, you know, which we might learn in your course. But uh, other than that, we pretty much invest. Look at it. Okay. Yeah. 
So let's take a few examples. And I, I'm going to actually start you out with Cambrian Ventures Investments, the company that you invested in from Cambrian. Mm-hmm. Give me an example of something that you thought was really cool, really interesting, did really well, and help us think through or help us, help us understand why you invested in that company. At what stage did they come to you? What was it about that company that drew your attention and commitment? And, right. and what I'm trying to do here is basically in, in these case, use cases or case studies that we're going to do is try to understand the way you think about investing. Got it. Yeah. So uh, I, I, I'd be happy to do that with the, uh, with the with the qualification that Cambrian's investing model was somewhat different from what we're doing at Rocketship. We with Cambrian, we would do we were doing seed investing, so we were going uh, earlier I see. than we're doing at Rocketship. Uh, but uh, that's where I can tell you about some of the Cambrian investments. I'll give you uh, give you an example. One of the Cambrian investments uh, was a, a company called uh, Aster Data. Um, Aster Data was um, uh, uh, one of the earliest big data companies uh, started around uh, 2004 um, and uh, was started by uh, three uh, PhD students from Stanford. Um, and one of those students, uh, you know, I, I teach at Stanford in, in the computer science department, uh, uh, big data machine learning. Um, and uh, uh, one of the students, Mayank Baba, was, uh, was actually my TA for the class that I teach. Uh, and during the class, we were talking about how it would be cool to, uh, you know, uh, MapReduce was just coming out from Google at the time. It was it was really cool technology. Um, and uh, how, how would it be nice to combine MapReduce with traditional database technology like SQL and create a new class of uh, database system that combined the new wave of big data with the old wave of, 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 of managing data. Um, and uh, lo and behold, uh, these three students actually said they wanted to do that company. They built an initial prototype. Um, and uh, they they uh, they and uh, they came to me and at Cambrian these were the kinds of companies we invested in. We were looking at for companies that with deep and differentiated technology started by, you know, deep and differentiated technologists. Um, and uh, so we ended up uh, uh, writing a seed uh, check into that company for uh, you know at the time a seed seed you know uh, back in 2004 you could do a seed round for a million million and a half dollars and that's uh, we, we we led the seed we put in a million and a half a million million and a half dollars into that company um uh, i was on the board of the company the company um ended up uh, uh winning a lot of early customers sequoia uh, came in and the uh, led the series a doug leone joined me on the board we uh uh, company uh, continued to execute uh, well uh, ended up being acquired by uh, teradata uh, for about $400 million uh, in a few years later. So that, that's the story. Uh, that, that, that's a typical trajectory for... How much, um, how much capital did that company consume before finding its exit? Maybe $20 million. Oh, good. All right. Let's come to Rocket Ship. You remember, remember, companies, and, uh, they, they, remember all, the companies in the 2000s were, were, were reasonably capital efficient compared to today. Yes. Right and uh, and I think, uh, yeah uh, and um, uh, so that's uh, you know I think that uh, is that's something well that, especially the period that you were talking about was kind of this uh, nuclear winter period of Silicon Valley so companies didn't get that, that much funding. Invest, let me tell you in Silicon Valley yeah yeah so uh, let's come to Rocketship from the first fund of Rocketship. Uh, 
give us an example. And again, I, I think what I drew from your first uh, example is you like deep tech, you like um, you know people with similar background to yours who have this kind of you know very deep computer science background and are doing are applying that to some technology problem, ideally data data oriented problems. And, and nowadays, probably increasingly more AI, uh, machine learning kind of stuff. Is that a correct conclusion? That that was a correct conclusion for Cambrian. Uh, but remember, Cambrian was 15 years in the past. So uh, clearly, it was. Uh, uh, you know, now in Rocketship, we have uh, all kinds of uh, companies that are not necessarily started by computers. I'll tell you about, about another of my uh, of my investments that uh, that I did. Uh, just just after Cambrian, but before starting Rocketship, which I think is more the template of what led us to start Rocketship. Um, and uh, this was an investment that we made in 2005 or 2006, and it's a company you might know about. It's called Facebook. Uh, so we uh, invested in uh, in Facebook in the Series A round uh, in uh, in 2005. Yeah, I think it was 2005, 2006. Whenever the Series A round uh, happened, the one that was led by Excel uh, at 100 million dollar valuation. So, uh, so we, uh, so this was um, a company. We, but by this time, Cambrian didn't exist. We had already started our company, Cosmix. Um, and uh, but uh, you know, we uh, saw that um, uh, Facebook uh, was getting. You know, Facebook when they initially launched, they launched within universities. And one of the earlier universities they launched was Stanford. Um, and uh, uh, Wink and I were at Stanford, and we saw that uh, this company was uh, getting a lot of adoption among Stanford students. Um, and uh, that convinced us that this company, this, here's a, 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 a consumer company with product market fit, uh, that is getting a lot of early adoption uh, among, uh, you know, among, among an interesting demographic. And uh, we sort of said, this would be an interesting company to invest in. Uh, uh, did you uh, did Facebook come to you or did you go to them? Uh, a bit of both. Uh, so uh, as it uh, as it happened, I mean clearly they didn't need our capital, right? So they uh, they, they uh, at that point they had uh, uh, they already had Peter Thiel's uh, money at the time, um, and they, uh, you know he was the only investor, right, at that at that time. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and they they, were, they they just launched to Harvard and then to Stanford and a few few other universities, um, but within those universities you could see the growth. Um, and uh, uh, at the time I think um, uh, Mark uh, uh, Zuckerberg wanted some some advice uh, that uh, Benki and I were sort of in a unique place to give him. Um, and uh, so we, uh, so he we connect, he connected with us through a mutual acquaintance at the time, and we were able to give him the advice that he needed. Uh, but since we what was realized, that? What did he want to know from you? Oh, uh, it's uh, kind of interesting. Um, you know, he had uh, two uh, offers to uh, for his Series A. Uh, one was uh, from from Excel, uh, which he eventually ended up taking. Uh, the other was from the Washington Post company. Very few people know this, but the Washington Post company was one of uh, wanted to invest in uh, in Facebook in its uh, in its early days, uh, and mm -hmm. were, they and, uh, and 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 Facebook and Excel competed for that deal. Um, and uh, you know, Mark wanted to know who to take the money from from uh, from Excel or from the Washington Post company. Now. Uh, you, the best way to do this is, of course, to talk to other entrepreneurs who have taken uh, uh, taken an investment from these funds. Um, now, we were the uh, you know, 
for Axel, of course, Axel has been a prolific investor. If you talk to many people, uh, but there are very few uh, companies that have actually taken money from the Washington Post company. Uh, and in yeah. fact, uh, in fact, the only one uh, prominent one was Jungli, the company that. Uh, oh, went in. I see. So the Washington Post was the lead investor. When we started Jungli back in uh, in 1996, it was an interesting story. Uh, the, the environment. This was 1996. The environment is very different from today. Uh, yeah. VCs in Silicon Valley did not want to invest in companies started by students uh, who had dropped out of college. Right? Mm. So, so this is very, very different from today. No, not a single VC in yeah. Silicon Valley wanted to touch us with a 10-foot pole in, uh, in 1996. And uh, the Washington Post company happened to be our first customer, and they also became our first investor. Uh, at so today, the environment, of course, is very different. Um, but, but you discouraged Mark Zuckerberg to take money from the Washington no, Post. No, actually, no. Actually, we uh, we actually uh, gave him the pros and cons and uh, uh, of of the situation. Uh, you know, we we really enjoyed working with the Washington Post company, frankly. Um, and uh, they had they were they were on our board as well. It was it was a great relationship. Uh, I you know I loved working with them. Very forward thinking uh, for uh, for a newspaper at, at the time. Um, and uh, we you know. Uh, uh, so uh, and we also I'd also worked with uh, we also worked with Axel in the past. We co-invested with them, sat with them on boards at Cambridge, and, um, and so on. Axel eventually ended up being an investor in Cosmics as well. Uh, so mm -hmm. we, uh, so we had a good relationship with both. So we gave them the uh, the uh, the pros and cons, and uh, and uh, and and we said, look, here are the pros and cons. Obviously, you're the entrepreneur. You're going to make the decision. But the one request I told him was, whoever you decide to invest, please let us invest alongside. Mm -hmm. Mark Zuckerberg was good enough to honor that promise. So that's how that's we're nice. investing in Facebook. <laughs> so, so, yeah, Facebook is, uh, is uh, so that, I mean, at some level, Facebook was kind of the prototypical example uh, that uh, that motivated us to start Rocketship. Uh, okay. We started in Facebook at, uh, you know, uh, at the early sign of product market fit. Uh, when we could see it being used uh, by uh, by lots of college students, we could see the engagement. Uh, we could see the adoption. There was no marketing driving this. There was there was no uh, customer acquisition. There was no CAC. There was zero CAC, right? No business model, but that didn't bother us, right? right? So uh, right. So um, so 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 that's what and and we 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 found Facebook because we happened to be embedded in the Stanford ecosystem and. They were, and we happened to come across them, uh, but uh, that is, you know, we, you know. So the, what we really wanted to do was we were, we got somewhat lucky there in spotting Facebook. How do you sort of take that luck and make it systematic, right? And that's what led us to start. Yeah, definitely serendipity. Well, I think the the characteristic of Facebook is hyper virality, and mm -hmm. uh, my thesis is that if you want to do you know, blitzscaling, as uh, Reid Hoffman calls it, you mm -hmm. kind of need hyper-virality. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, putting that much money into a company with no validation of how it's going to make money and so forth doesn't work unless you have this extraordinary levels of virality. That's fair. That's true. But remember, Facebook, compared to the startups of today, was, was actually very capital efficient. They didn't raise that much money. It was very capital efficient. I actually use that as a case study all the time, which is why... Zuckerberg ended up owning so much of Facebook even after all these both, rounds of financing. Both, both Google and Facebook were, were, were both super capital. Very capital efficient. Very right? capital so, efficient. 
compared to compared to the companies of uh, companies the companies that came later. So I think that model works. Uh, I think the I'm more worried about the capital intensive scaling models that. That, that, that I don't like that model at all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so actually, it was one of my questions to you: is Do you like that model? Are you are no. you into this hyperscaling, blitzscaling with huge amounts of capital? You know, I'm not a huge fan of the model, frankly. Uh, you know, it it seems to be, uh, it, but it's unfortunately it seems to be a reality of our times. Uh, it's not something that I can wish away, uh, right? Uh, but it does seem to be uh, a feature of our time. I worry that uh, there's so much capital sloshing. See, one of the nice things about an uh, uh, environment where, uh, where, where there is some capital constraint uh, is that um, a good entrepreneur and a good team, uh, you know, get figured out. Uh, yeah, get sorted out, and uh, they can. Um, uh, they, they they will get the correct. They, they will get funding. The the weaker ones won't get as much funding. So. Uh, you won't have companies uh, sort of uh, bashing each other's brains out with marketing dollars, uh, right? So, yeah. uh, right. So, um, and the problem with that, uh, with, the, with the with one of the problems we have in the current scenario, is that if you if you have any kind of interesting um, market opportunity that's uncovered by uh, by a company, uh, which can be served by a commodity product, okay, uh, a product that doesn't need deep innovation. Uh, then the, the instantly 10 other companies will pop up and there's enough capital that they will all raise uh, large amounts of capital. Um, and uh, then it's a race to the bottom in terms of margins because they will all spend uh, money to, to, to scale. And Absolutely. So, 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 so you might actually end up having spaces where there's huge consumer demand, right? Uh, where there's huge consumer demand, there's, uh, uh, and, and uh, you know, and there are, but there are five companies on a pitch up So um, let's do one example from your rocket ship portfolio that illustrates um, more of what you're doing today. Sure. Uh, so I'll, I'll give you an example from India. Uh, we are an investor uh, in, in a company uh, in India called uh, Moglix. Uh, Moglix is a company based in Delhi. Um, and uh, they are in the B2B uh, e-commerce space, business-to-business commerce space. Uh, what, they, uh, what, uh, what Rahul Gard, the founder of uh, Moglex, uh, uh, observed was, the, was that the India, the Indian, India's industrial base is modernizing. Um, and yeah. as industrial base modernizes, all the, the factories have to operate uh, 24 by 7 and not have downtime and so on. Um, and uh, so they, but factories often run out of consumables like uh, lubricants, like fasteners, like motors, like uh, safety equipment and so on. Um, so what Moglix does is that it integrates into the ERP systems of factories uh, in India. And as they run out of consumables, there's a marketplace behind uh, from which those consumables can be, uh, can be, uh, can be supplied. Um, and uh, uh, so, so, what really helped this company take off is the uh, is the change in the tax regime in India, the introduction of uh, the, the goods and services tax or GST, uh, which made it necessary for companies to change the way they do record keeping, um, so that uh, to, to to claim tax credits now you need much you know much more detailed records of your inputs, um, right? um, and mm -hmm. so Moglix became the also the place that enables you to keep track of all that. Uh, plus, there's also the marketplace behind that actually supplies the product. So there's uh, 
so the company has um, has scaled really well. They've been one of the fastest growing companies. Uh, I think somebody, I don't know, Hambrick, some somebody, uh, Inc. or somebody called them the fastest growing company in Asia outside of China or something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, so B2B e-commerce is a very interesting space. I've seen a lot of interesting companies in B2B e-commerce, and, uh, and especially in markets where it's immature, like India, where the attention has been more on the flip cuts and, and uh, Amazon's. It's, I think it's a very interesting space that hasn't been over-invested yet. Yes, so those are the companies that have been invested to 2017 or so, to, uh, and uh, 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 when we invested in uh, 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 funding, uh, three rounds of funding, invested, and they are, they are scaling up. So that's the so that's B to be uh, that's be that's that's kind of the prototypical company that we uh, that we look for, uh, okay. where uh, uh, you know where we we come in early, but then the company continues to scale up. That so that's an example uh, in the B to B e-commerce space. Uh, but we also do kind of uh, you know more uh, companies. Uh, I'll give you another example out of India as well. Uh, um, one is a company called. Uh, by the way, Mooglix is not just in India. They, now they, uh, their customers are in 40 different countries in Asia, Southeast Asia, and so on. Uh, mm -hmm. So the, uh, another company out of India is a company called Locus. Uh, Locus is, in the, is, is, is actually a technology company. They provide uh, uh, machine learning models for uh, um, logistics optimization, um, optimizing deliveries and scheduling and stuff, you know, mm -hmm. Large piece and so on, and uh, uh, it's uh, founders out of Bitspilani Goa in India, and the company is based in Bangalore. Um, and they uh, came up with these uh, with these algorithms, and their early customer wins were uh, were the people who had to do lots of deliveries in India, which is like people like uh, you know mm -hmm. Flipkart, which is a division of Flipkart, right? Um, and uh, it was a customer and. Uh, uh, Blue Dart, which is one of the biggest delivery services in India, uses them. Big Basket uses their software and so on. Um, and today, uh, they, you know, they, 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 they have also expanded to Southeast Asia, Indonesia. The biggest e-commerce uh, players use them, and uh, they, they raised a big round of funding recently from uh, um, uh, from Tiger, and they're they're planning to enter the U.S. market now. So. Uh, so that's, that's another example of, of a company that we that we invest in. That's so India, you are very big, uh, that, very bullish on. Yeah, sorry. You're bullish on India. Yeah, India has been an interesting story for us uh, because we uh, actually had um, uh, very uh, just very few investments in India enough from our fund uh, as of 2017. But uh, after 2017, we've invested. We've sort of seen very interesting things happen in India, and this is largely data-driven. The data led us there, right? So we we, we didn't. The quality of companies from India is improving greatly. Sorry. The quality of companies out of India is improving greatly. Yeah, the quality of companies coming from India is improving significantly. We say I'm seeing amazing entrepreneurs. When I talk to entrepreneurs from India, it's I it feels no different from talking to an entrepreneur from. That's Silicon. right. That's exactly uh -huh. right. That's right. exactly so, right. And many of them have worked here, gone back there, and doing this bicontinental thing. And it's become a very fluid model. We have tons of this model in our portfolio. Yeah. 
Right. I will ask you one last question, and then we're going to switch to the entrepreneur pitch, which is, um, so, you know, the, 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 funds, the check size that you were writing is actually very much in our comfort zone in the sense that we actually like the philosophy of bootstrap first, raise money later. Mm-hmm. And we have a, because we work a lot in, in geographies where bootstrapping is very popular and, and almost essential in many cases, people are, entrepreneurs are being very scrappy and, and getting to product market fit with very interesting bootstrapping models and, and so on and so forth and building good companies, good products, etc. Maybe it's a bit slower than it would be with early capital fusion, but, but it also, you know, forces them to really look at the fundamentals, look at the discipline, look at the, you know, why customers are buying and so on and so forth. So we actually like this model of taking companies that have more or less been able to achieve product market fit on their own or maybe with a little bit of friends and family financing, maybe a small amount of angel capital, and then really going into a small Series A, not like a $7 million Series A, but more like a $3 million, $4 million Series A, maybe even $2 million Series A. And I think that's what, it, it, out of this conversation, that's where I see it, you know, a good fit between what we are doing and what you are trying to do. No, no, that, definitely. I think uh, I'm a big uh, believer in that model that uh, you, know, you scale after you find uh, a product market. Yeah, very good. Anand, uh, thank you for no coming worries. today, and we'll be in touch. Yeah, thanks, Anand. I need to, uh, to drop off now, but uh, it's, been, it's been great talking to you.